Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we are back. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And joining us from Jack's Outdoor is Jeremy Fretz. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing great, and I also know if a lot of people are like me, I'm, i got to tell you, I am the worst Christmas shopper in the world. Not that I don't love giving gifts and I don't care, but I want to give something that says, I understand you, or I know what you do and what you like, and boy, do I struggle. And I think Jax can help me out if I have an outdoor enthusiast in my family. Why don't you first kind of tell people, Jax has a couple, you know, they have like two, three different types of store setups. Explain the different Jax stores before we get into some of the merchandise. Yeah, absolutely. Jax has two different types of stores, Jax Outdoor and then Jax Farm and Ranch. The outdoor will be more of your camping, climbing footwear and your farm and ranch will be more of your farm and ranch and the farm and ranch is kind of like a combination of a hardware store i mean when i walk around in one it it reminds me of a a hardware store and a bunch of other things combined and then you have stores that are both where you really have a selection don't you how many of your stores are are how many you have, what do you have seven or eight eight total stores down the front counting cheyenne yes we do and and how, and how many Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say our new Loveland store is a little bit of both here. We just opened up in August, and we're excited to be uh, the second store in the Loveland market now. All right, so you got two in Loveland. One is both. you got, of course, the Fort Collins store. You've got Broomfield. You've got Lafayette. You've got Cheyenne. And some are outdoors. Some are uh, farm and ranch. And some are a combination. So I, I'm I got only got a couple shopping days left. I'm going to go out for Christmas. Let's go through some of the different departments in the stores and give me some ideas. How about if I got a friend that camps? What can I, you know, I, I don't know. We don't have to go through a range of prices. I know you have just unlimited gear. You can spend anything you want. But what are a few ideas maybe that I could pick up for somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Camping is one of our bigger departments here at Jack's. Um, a great idea would be a headlamp for a camper. Uh, we carry a couple of different brands of headlamps, uh, BioLite, Black Diamond, and Petzl are great ideas and very useful ideas for the, for the camper. And then how much, how much do I kind of have to spend to get into that? Anywhere from probably about 20 to $25 up until about 50 to $60 for good headlamps. Okay, so it's a reasonable price, good good gift to give, and if somebody's into camping or if they're doing any outdoor activities where they need some, some uh, light at night. You also have the Yeti products there. Do they make good Christmas gifts? Yetis make absolutely great Christmas gifts, Terry. Um, we carry a number of different Yeti products, including their drinkware and their coolerware. Their drinkware ranges anywhere from 25 again, up to about probably $50 um, for a single for a single cup. But, boy, did they keep things. I had a Yeti. I had an involvement with Yeti a few years ago, and they gave me some coffee cups to give as gifts. And I think the coffee was still warm the next day in those cups. I mean, they're just, they're just aren't they incredible? incredible. Yeah. Now, I've got outdoor, and, I, you know, I'm into fishing and hunting a lot. I do some camping and you know, do a lot of different things. But I've got friends, you know, 
Colorado does climbing. Do you guys cover climbing at Jackson? What if I got, I'd have no idea what to buy somebody for climbing. Give me some ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we carry a number of climbing accessories, but uh, one of the common accessories that is used in sport climbing are quick draws. We do carry black diamond and pestle quick draws, ranging from fourteen ninety nine for a single quick draw up until probably ninety five or hundred dollars for a set of uh, six to eight quick draws. Uh, we also have crash pads for the boulder enthusiast, um, ranging anywhere from probably two hundred to two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars. Now, I don't know enough about climbing to know what a crash pad is, but it doesn't sound good to me. But if I have a friend who climbs, I probably want him to have one. So <laughs> It's helpful, yes. Yeah. All right. Now, um, I know a lot about I know you guys carry a lot of fishing and hunting. You know, hunting can be hard to buy for. Fishing, no. You can pick things up. I mean, you've got everything from just some flies all the way up to reels and ice fishing gear and fly fishing gear. You really got a whole line of things starting with probably, probably you could come in and buy a few flies and not spend a whole ton of money and get something nice, right? Yeah. For the avid fly fishermen, I think flies are a great choice as a uh, low price point gift. Um, two of the flies that I've had good luck with lately are the rainbow warrior and the poison tongue. Um, I think they're excellent winter fly choices. Uh, we also have reels from a number of different companies, um, including Orvis, Lampson, and Ross. Um, if you really want to get somebody a great gift, the Ross uh, Gunnison reel is an amazing, amazing gift. And that's a company that's located right here in Colorado. They started in Colorado. I know they're owned by some bigger companies now, but quality stuff from Ross and a real local connection. They make just wonderful reels. And uh, and the fly selection. Now, if I come into the fishing department and I, I have an avid angler, whether it's ice fishing, fly fishing, conventional fishing in my family, I may not know how to pick it out, but you're going to be able to help me. You're not just clerks hanging out. You guys have fishermen in the fishing department, right? We have fishermen in the fishing department, subject matter experts, I would call them. Uh, very, very knowledgeable folks who preach and practice the jacks. Uh, mission kind of on a daily basis, and that includes fishing and hunting. Now, another thing that I used to have a rule that I told my wife, you can't give me socks and underwear for Christmas because I got them when I was a kid, right? But I'll make exception for some of the new wool socks and some of the things that keep me comfortable out there because something as simple as socks have come so far as far as comfort, haven't they? They have. It's really amazing. Um, we carry some premier brands in the sock world, including Smartwool and Darn Tough, which uh, are made in the USA, both of them. Smartwool has a 100% satisfaction guarantee, and Darn Tough has a lifetime guarantee on their socks. They're great purchases. They last forever. And especially for the winter sports enthusiast, I mean, it can make the difference between being comfortable and being uncomfortable in your outdoor pursuits. And I want to tell you about the socks, too, and I know you do a lot with the footwear there, but properly fitting footwear that isn't too tight, and you don't need a sock that's so many layers thick that it cram it into your boot, because that can be almost worse. A light wool sock that fits properly will almost keep you warmer than a heavy one at times, won't it? It will. I mean, and the fit of the boot is incredibly important with that. If you're fitting a boot too tight, you're restricting your circulation, and your feet will actually get colder, typically. So properly fitting socks within your boots 
is the key to making sure that your feet stay warm out there. So when I'm in buying these great socks or the ones that I'm willing to accept as Christmas gifts, even encourage them, if I have a person who's maybe not as outdoor-oriented or they want something just for in the house, you don't just have outdoor gear. You have, like, slippers and things like that, right? We do. We have a number of uh, slipper socks made by a company. companies called either Soft Soul or Terramar, which are great socks for lounging around the cabin or lounging around the house in front of a fireplace. Okay, now what about we're getting out to a little more hardcore. Karen and I actually do go snowshoeing up in um, Rocky Mountain National Park, and I love that. But you need the proper equipment. If somebody wants to get into snowshoeing, can you help me, and do they have to spend a lot of money? We can absolutely help you. And an entry-level snowshoe is going to be, well, a snowshoe kit is probably going to be around $150 up to about $200. Um, We are experts at fitting snowshoes and getting the right snowshoe for you because there are different options depending on what type of snowshoe you're doing and what type of train you're on. And also your size and, and then the clothing. I think people, one of the things with snowshoeing, people over, overdress for snowshoeing, and you guys can help them there because you can sell all the layers. And the one things that will get cold in a lot of winter activities are like your toes and your fingers. Um, you, do you have a lot of the hand warmers? Are they popular for gifts too, stocking stuffers? I think those are amazing gifts, Terry. Uh, We carry hand warmers and we carry toe warmers. Uh, We carry them in single packs and we carry them in multi-packs. So there's definitely some options out there. Now, what about somebody who maybe isn't the outdoor enthusiast? I come to your Loveland store. You have the farm and ranch there. What if I want some tools or something like that? While I'm shopping from the outdoor person, I want to bop over to the farm and ranch part. What are some ideas for for the, the, the other person in my life? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the great things about Jacks is you can do both of those things in the same stores in a lot of cases. Um, so in our hardware section uh, right now, we have DeWalt impact drills that are on sale. We have drill bit sets. Um, we also have a number of um, pet and equine things that are out there. Uh, we carry the Carhartt brand, so we have hats, vests, and gloves. Uh, we carry some work gloves both leather gloves and insulated gloves. And we have a number of pet toys as well for your furry friend that's out there. Well, you know, you mentioned the DeWalt drills. I know the impact drills on sale, but even the standard DeWalt drill and the higher voltages, a lot of the new ice fishing augers use a hand drill, like the K-Drill and a couple other brands. In fact, that's what Ronnie was using when we were out fishing just last week. And you put that drill on, you can get an inexpensive, well, they're not inexpensive, but less expensive attachment for a drill. And now you have a drill that you can use for other things, but can also power your auger. Um, And DeWalt's really a quality brand, isn't it? It is. It's a great brand, Terry. So what about... What about some other ideas? Let's just say I, uh, you know, a knife is a good, a good, uh, can be a good, a good Christmas present. If you kind of know the kind of type of tool or knife that your outdoor enthusiast might use, what kind of things do you carry there? Yeah, we carry a number of different knives, uh, including the Benchmade knives, which would I think would be more for your, like, knife enthusiast. They carry some really great blades really innovative stuff in the market right now. 
Um, we also carry Leathermans for your multi-tool type of guy or gal. And then as far as apparel, you have everything from, I think you have just all the different layers, including things like Carhartt. What do you have in the clothing? I'm looking for some clothing. Can you help me out there? Yeah, we have a number of different uh, clothing options for you out there. We carry some of the more uh, traditional uh, farm and ranch pants, Car- Carhartt, Dickies, those kind of things where we've got hats, hats uh, vests, gloves. We also carry some of the uh, more outdoorsy brands, um, the Patagonia, the North Face, the Cool. Um, and within each one of those brands, you'll find uh, coats, you'll find base layers, You'll find flannels. You'll find a number of different clothing options that may suit uh, different Christmas needs. Well, you know, I we've gone through a lot of things, and we're going to run out of time here. But I think we just demonstrated that, boy, you can just get all your Christmas shopping done at a Jack's Outdoor, Jack's Outdoor slash Farm and Ranch store, because you can find something for anybody. What are your hours at the Jack's stores? Uh, here in Loveland, we're open 8 to 8, Monday through Saturday, and 9 to 6 on Sunday. And then I assume you're closing early Christmas Eve? We are closing early on Christmas Eve, 5 p.m., I believe. All right. Well, there are lots of options. And the other reason to shop at Jack's is a lot of times when you're shopping for somebody, whether it's an outdoor enthusiast or looking more for the hardware end of things, a lot of times it's difficult to buy for somebody else. So, you really have people there that can help you pick up the right thing. And if it is wrong, you'll exchange it, I'm sure. Absolutely, Terry. We do. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the vast majority of our staff are subject matter experts in their department and really willing to help out and find the absolute right gift for you. All right. Well, Jeremy, we've got to run, but I think you gave you threw out a lot of ideas. I hope people were listening and they can get out in the next couple of days. I know I need to get it done. I'll be going to one of the Jack stores in the next couple of days. Thank you for joining us and giving us all those different gift ideas. Thank you very much for having us on, Terry. You bet. Merry Christmas to you. That's Jeremy Fretz from the Jack's Outdoor in Loveland. Just a great place to go get all your Christmas shopping done. You know, you're not going to fight the same crowds you will in the mall areas, and you're going to get quality, quality merchandise. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Colorado State Parks, and we're going to talk about winter recreation right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. I tell you, what a great place to Christmas shop. I hope you were listening to that last segment. It just amazes me even their selection of goods they have there. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Jennifer Anderson. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, um, I think everybody's aware with COVID and the restrictions we had. A lot of people didn't go on vacation. There wasn't youth sports in the beginning. A lot of that is still restricted. A lot of things you just can't do, you used to do. And a lot of people turned to the outdoors because you can social distance, outdoor, the clean air. And they're discovering how wonderful outdoors can be in Colorado. And I think we're pretty convinced that this is going to continue right into the winter with more and more people enjoying our outdoor resources, don't you? 
I do. And uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is definitely anticipating a boost in winter recreation, right. like you said. Um, we're so lucky to live in Colorado and have so many days throughout the year to recreate outdoors. Um, I think that's a blessing here. And so I hope people continue to take advantage of it, but we definitely want them to be educated in order to be safe. No, you're absolutely right. And as we turn, well, during the year in Colorado, you always need to be aware of dressing properly. I teach some survival clinics what to do if you're hurt or lost. And a lot of people have misconceptions, but even just pretty benign trips like uh, going sledding. And now you're going to talk about a lot of activities But if you haven't done this for a while or you haven't done it on a regular basis, you really need to be prepared both for your own safety and so understanding the impact you're having, too. And I I know before we get to some of these activities, you want to kind of talk about some of the concerns and some of the considerations people need to take, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, So like I said, we just want everybody to be educated in order to have a safe experience in the out-of-doors. When choosing your destination, make considerations for it looks very different than it did in the summer. Um, You're going to be dealing with snow, ice, um, a mix of weather conditions, and definitely um, variable temperatures as well. And so like you said, making sure that you have the proper gear. Your bag might be packed for what you brought with you in the summer. And so take that out, take a look at it, and add in the things that you should have with you for the winter, especially layers, um, a first aid kit, navigation device, a headlamp. Um, Our daylight hours change quickly right now. Um, And so you might start out in the daylight and be ending up walking back to the trailhead um, needing a flashlight or a headlamp. Um, a couple other things is making sure that you're staying within your skill level. We encourage people to try something new this year, um, but educating yourself before going out and maybe picking a place where you could practice or try it out, like your local park or just walking around your neighborhood in snowshoes, just seeing what it feels like before heading into the backcountry. I could make a comment there because Karen and I snowshoe up in Rocky Mountain National Park and um you can go up, you can drive up to Rocky Mountain National Park and park in a camp in a parking lot and actually kind of snow through through a flat campground with some snow on the ground and really get a feel at what it's like to be up at altitude, pushing through the snow a little bit before, like, we'll take some of these big loop trails. And if, if you don't have the right gear or you're not in the right condition, you could get in trouble in a hurry on one of those trails. So it really does pay to do do a little practice. It's kind of funny you talked about the headlamps. We just had Jack's Outdoor Gear on, and that's one of the items they have on sale for Christmas at their stores. So the stuff is available, but you need to know what to buy. You need to, you know, a lot of the retailers, a lot of, there's a lot of resources at Parks and Wildlife, too, to help people, aren't there? There are um, resources like education materials. You can check out our website, cpw.state.co.us to watch some videos or read and learn about different opportunities. If you're thinking about heading out to one of our state parks to try out one of these activities, call ahead, ask them some questions, find out what trail conditions are like. Some of our state parks rent gear. And so if you're thinking about trying out snowshoeing, call ahead and see if our parks have snowshoes available for rent. Um, and then find out what what are typical weather conditions like. Um, when I worked at Golden Gate Canyon, I was always surprised at how many, how many people would leave Denver 50 degrees, not expecting it to be the 20 to 30s up in Golden Gate. So calling ahead and, and knowing what that weather conditions are going to be like. Um, great, great 
ways to prepare to head out. Um, but like you said, having that gear too, headlamps make the best stocking stuffers. I think every year somebody in our family gets a headlamp because you can't have too many of them. Um, some other safety equipment I recommend too is a whistle. Um, if you're, you know, if you've fallen through the ice, I know we're going to chat about ice fishing here in a little bit or, um, lost out in the dark, a whistle is a great noisemaker in order to draw attention to yourself to signal that you need help. Well, and a couple things, because I want to get to the ice fishing because you got some plans. <clears throat> but one of the things, if you're going in the backcountry, even in the foothills at times, really the avalanche danger is something you have to be aware of. People think, you know, we're going to talk ice fishing, and people think that's unsafe. We very seldom lose anybody ice fishing, but we lose in the Mountain States region a half a dozen people to avalanches every year. We do, and unfortunately we had um, a death just this weekend, and they're anticipating this to be a very active avalanche year. And so people can go online um, to check the avalanche danger in the locations that they're heading in, or like I said, call ahead. Um, but really educating yourself on what are the possible risks or dangers that you might be encountering when you're in the backcountry, educating yourself on them, making sure you have the right gear, um, making sure people know what your plan is. Um, when I hike alone, I let somebody in town know I plan to go to this trailhead, be gone for this long. If you don't hear back from me, this is where I'm parking, um, and I'll check in when I get back. And we recommend that people do the same thing. Um, and if they have the opportunity to go with a family member. Um, I know in COVID times we have to consider the social distancing and wearing a mask. Um, so making sure that we're being safe in those instances as well. But we definitely um, don't want to contribute to the number of deaths that occur with avalanche. So checking out those websites to know the danger um, about where you're headed into. Well, and when you talked about telling somebody where you go, you're preaching to the choir. When I teach survival classes, the first thing I tell them is let somebody know where you're at. It takes us a lot longer, less time to find you. And you'll know that rescue is coming if somebody knows where you're at. Makes your whole preparation different. Let's talk before we run out of time. Now, you're going to have resources uh, on CPW about snowshoeing, sledding, trails and i know in the next segment we're going to talk about wildlife watching which is just fantastic but ice fishing looks like it's going to be incredibly popular this year you're doing some special content with a contributor from this show aren't you we are um yeah with our licensed fish or sorry fishing license sales we're up 65 percent this year so we're anticipating um people super interested in ice fishing it's a growing sport um, so we have partnered with Nate Zielinski to produce um, some content and help people be better at ice fishing and be safe during ice fishing. And so people can join us this Monday on Facebook Live as we're going to have a conversation with Nate to learn about different ice fishing equipment to help us be successful. And then we are planning a webinar in January, and so we'll, we'll advertise that on our website as well to talk about ways to be successful in this. Um, and I know one of the things we've been talking a lot about gear. And so Monday's Facebook Live is going to be super important because sometimes 
people are intimidated by the amount of gear they think they might need. Um, but there are some great opportunities to keep costs down low, um, places you can rent equipment, try equipment out, and also knowing what are the, what is the basic equipment that you need in order to be successful. So I'm super excited to partner with Nate, learn from him. Every time I talk to him, I learn something new. Um, so we're excited to have him join us and, and be able to teach us. We t- we have one rule on this show. We never give Nate too many kudos because it goes to his head. So we'll have to train you on that. But now Nate's a tremendous, contri- tremendously knowledgeable and a great contributor. He's on every week. Um, we're running out of time, but the last thing I want to mention in the last thirty seconds is, with all the additional people getting outside, please recreate responsibly. And trash can be one of the biggest problems, right? It can be. Um, so. Pack out what you brought in and even pack out some of that stuff that you find. We ask, again, that people just be educated, be safe, and be kind while they're out there enjoying the out-of-doors. All right. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Great, great points to make, and we look forward to keeping track of all the resources and availability in Colorado for people to get outdoors. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. Thank you very much. That's Jennifer from Parks and Wildlife. By the way, um, I'm, my Facebook page, if you went there right now, you would find a, a post that shows the baits and talks about the depth that Ronnie and I fished at Red Feathers just last week. You would also see a post to my YouTube channel about a Red Feathers fishing trip from a few years ago. If you went to my YouTube channel, there's a half a dozen ice fishing shows filmed right here in Colorado. And then as far as the survival, I post a column I wrote for the Denver Post on outdoor survival every few months because it really hits the basics. That's on my Facebook page, too, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Mary McCormick's going to join us, and we're going to talk about wildlife watching in the winter right here on Terry Wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Something made me pick it up instead of going on my way. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, locations up and down the front range, Lafayette, Broomfield, Loveland, Fort Collins, Cheyenne, what a great place to finish your Christmas shopping. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Mary McCormick. Good morning, Mary. Hi, Terry. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And, you know, we were talking to Jennifer about outdoor recreation in general and the people getting outdoors. And one of the greatest ways to recreate in Colorado is to get outdoors, maybe do a little walking, do a little hiking, but combine it with some wildlife watching. Winter just provides some great opportunities doesn't it it does i think a lot of times people don't think that winter is a good time um you know thinking that maybe animals are um, hibernating or not very active or things like that but um you know winter is a great time for wildlife viewing one you know you should see less people although we're not necessarily thinking we'll see less people because obviously we've seen uh, a huge jump in outdoor recreation so I assume that's going to stay true for winter recreation as well. But, you know, if you think about that white backdrop of snow, it makes things stand out a lot easier. Tracking is a lot easier. You can see those paw prints. Um, And, of course, if you're bird watching, you know, a lot of those trees don't have uh, leaves this time of year, so it makes spotting birds a lot easier as well. So winter is a fabulous time to go viewing wildlife. 
It really is, and I want to expound on some of those. But one thing I think we need to mention ahead of time is we encourage people to get out. We want them to interact with wildlife, but they have to do it properly and ethically. Absolutely. I mean, this is probably one of the most vulnerable times for wildlife, right? I mean, animals, it's, it's just about survival. And this time of year, finding food, staying warm, shelter, all of those things are critical this time of year. And just having an, a dog chasing an animal when they need to keep, you know, what little energy they have they need to keep to stay warm, to find food, um, just being chased could be life or death for an animal. So it's so critical for folks who are recreating outdoors in the winter to keep their dogs leashed at all times, um, making sure, you know, protecting wildlife in that way. And then, of course, we always want people to view wildlife from a safe distance, you know, give them the proper space that they need um, to be safe and to, and to be comfortable and not feel threatened. And, and again, expound that energy that they need to be keeping for other things. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, expending energy dogs. I love dogs. I'm a dog lover, but I just almost hate, I almost hate to see them out on the trails, especially in the winter. Not only can you spook the wildlife and scare them, and even if they're on a lease, if you run into one of the areas where we've got great moose watching, you can put yourself in grave danger too. And just don't take dogs into those areas, especially during the winter. But let's talk a little bit more about some of the things you talked about tracks. You know, a lot of people will spend years in the outdoors and they'll never see a bobcat or a lynx or a mountain lion or a wolf. Uh, and uh, they kind of think they're not around. Well, the winter gives you a chance to dispel that. If you learn the, to identify the different kinds of animal tracks, when you're out in the trails, you'll be just amazed at the kind of animals that may have used those trails, won't you? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it can be. You know, in the summertime, I mean, unless you get like a wet, muddy trail, which we didn't see a lot of this past summer with a lack of moisture. But, um, you know, unless you have those kind of conditions, you really don't see tracks. It's really, it can be really difficult to see, you know, the evidence that animals leave behind. Um, but in the wintertime, it's a different story, right? I mean, it's almost like a perfect uh, medium to, to collect those tracks when animals are out and even the scat too. I mean, it's going to stand out more because of the, the white snow backdrop. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool. You, you definitely see a lot more of what is around you in the winter time than almost any other time of the year. And, you know, and a lot of the bigger animals like the sheep, the deer, the elk, the moose, are going to be at lower elevations, and they're going to be a little more accessible to watch. Again, don't approach too closely, but you can spot them from a distance. A good pair of binoculars is great. You know, another, uh, we're, going to, we're going to transition into birding, which is really popular, but in, yeah. uh, there's a lot of apps out there that really kind of bridge just the, the animals, the, the mammals, up into the birds, and that's apps like iNaturalist. You talked about identifying scat, identifying tracks, Identifying an animal or bird you don't even know, uh, there's so many apps out there. iNaturalist is one that's really great. You take a picture, if you don't know what it is, thousands of people around the country help you identify it. There's just all kinds of resources like that available, aren't there? There are, yeah, for sure. I mean, iNaturalist is a, is a great um, tool to use when you're out there. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's basically a citizen science-type project where, you know, people are helping um, you know, map out 
species across the country by entering in the data of the of the species that they're seeing. And so we actually have a Colorado State Park specific iNaturalist project. And so that's something you can check out on our website if that is something that interests you. Um, eBird is also another um, great tool. They've come out with some really neat, um, almost like live maps where you can kind of see where birds are moving or where they're seeing um, sightings of different birds. Um, we also have, it's not an app, but if people haven't checked it out yet, the Colorado Birding Trail is a really awesome resource. It's probably underutilized, so I try to promote it as much as I can. Um, but they're basically driving routes. So say I'm going to go you know, on a trip to the Fort Collins area. If I go to the Colorado Birding Trail website, there's actually a driving loop that will connect you to, you know, 10 to 15 sites around Fort Collins that you could check out to do any kind of birding or other wildlife viewing. So it's a great partnership between Colorado Parks and Wildlife, um, other city, county, uh, you know, uh, national um, land management agencies, as well as some private landowners, too, who encourage or, or welcome um, people onto their land to, to wildlife view as well. So it's a pretty cool um, if you haven't checked out, it's broken out by region. So we um, have a complete trail. So no matter where you live in the state, there's a birding trail near you. And that's Colorado Birding Trail. Is that, a, is that how do you find it on the web? Yeah, if you just go to if you just Google Colorado Birding Trail, it should take you right to the website. And we're running out of time. But people, we're running out of time, but people don't understand. They think the birds leave. There's hundreds of birds that hang around Colorado all winter, aren't there? Oh, absolutely. And the, the neat thing is some of those birds that live maybe in higher elevations, you know, maybe you'd have to go to Mount Evans, you know, the top of Mount Evans to see them. They'll move down in elevation just like bighorn sheep and, and other animals and mammals do. So, um, so yeah, it's a great chance to see animals like that. Sometimes we have animals way up north who blow in like snowy owls. We've kind of seen them. Um, making appearances in Colorado. And then even bald eagles that, you know, some are here year-round. We have winter migrants that come in, um, and so you might see them in larger numbers in the winter. So winter is a fabulous time uh, for birding. So strongly encourage folks to grab a pair of binoculars, some mittens, some hot chocolate, and head out and look look for wildlife. Uh, it's just a great Basically. activity. We are, out, <laughs> we are out of time, Mary, but just get outdoors, get a little walking, enjoy it, do it responsibly, and just have a good time. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks, Terry. Have a happy holiday. Yeah, have a happy holiday to you. That's Mary McCormick from Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Austin Parr. We're going to talk more ice fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Before we go to our next guest, I do want to mention that A&A Toppers, one of our longtime supporters, is having a Terry Wickstrom Outdoors sale. Now, they had this for the general public a while ago, but now you have to be a listener to this show. If you go to either one of their locations and say, I heard your sale on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, you get $100 off a topper through December. So if you're looking for a topper, just go to A&A, tell them... Uh, Terry, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Let's go to the phones where we are joined by Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Oh, always welcome. You're a great resource. Not only do you get out and do it yourself, 
but you're in touch with the public and you're keeping track of what's going on. And is it's no secret to you that ice fishing has taken off in Colorado. We got a lot of interest. A lot of people want to get out. So I thought we'd start out by maybe what are you hearing? Where are you hearing there's ice? Where are people fishing? And maybe even catching some fish. You got any updates for us? Absolutely. So people are starting to sneak out on Metro Ice, but I'll start with the stuff in the mountains that's definitely going to have a little bit more thickness and a lot more safety. So places like Ontario and 11 Mile have been getting hit pretty hard, and and some people are doing all right, but the majority of anglers have not been having the greatest of success at those particular locations. Um, People that are really dialed in on GPS locations and finding edges of weed lines and, and really getting there early are still having some success. But the most, for the most part, it has not been overly fantastic. But slipping up a little bit further north and going to places like Stagecoach and Steamboat, those locations have been producing much better. So we're still seeing a lot of big fish in those locations and a lot less people. So if you're looking to drive a little bit further and get away from some of the South Park crowds, that definitely is a fantastic option. And it has been a, a good option for the last several years uh, with those lakes really developing into some really high-quality trophy-style lakes. Oh, you're absolutely right. When you approach those high mountain lakes, whether it's the ones in South Park or up at, um, if you're going out to Stagecoach or Steamboat, do you have any favorite ways of approaching any particular presentations, or how do you approach those lakes? So something that I like doing, especially a lake that I, if I haven't been there a whole lot, is to break out Google Earth and having some satellite imagery. A lot of times that can show you where there's shallower water and also potentially even weed lines if there's a clear enough uh, water column. So finding those type of locations definitely is important. But as I get out there, certainly early morning is going to be my first approach. Trying to get set up right as that sun is coming up is, is a very important deal. But I'm starting off uh, drilling holes along those weed lines and fishing on my jigging rod with something that's going to have a little bit more motion, but not a lot of flash to start with many times just to do that lower light um, kind of penetration in the water, but something like a a tube jig, trout traps, or getting into an atomic teaser from Berkeley, something with a little tail motion, and then setting a dead stick um, off to the side. And some of my favorite presentations actually lately have been shifting into the fly fishing realm and utilizing Euro nymphs for my dead stick. So going with something like uh, a little Pertagon or, or small Frenchies that I'm tipping with a wax worm. And, and for people that aren't familiar, it basically is a, a tungsten jig, but it's a fly. And a lot of times that, especially later into the season, if these lakes have been getting a lot of pressure, that many times can, can be the difference maker rather than something really bright and, uh, and, and gaudy. And I'll add that um, I did get an update from Blue Mesa, and people, the ice is continuing to extend out there. Last time I talked to them, this might have changed. The boat ramp hadn't frozen yet, so they were actually ice fishing in the morning and going out in their boat in the afternoon, but the bay on the ice is starting to move out, and we should see more and more ice uh, opportunities at Blue Mesa. We talked up to uh, the guys up in the Granby area. Granby itself is pretty wide open. There's some ice in the bays. I'd be real careful. But Shadow Mountain has some pretty good ice in some places, and uh, Grand Lake is, you're starting to see anglers venture out with a fairly decent ice cap. Just have to be careful in all those areas. I did hear that Willow Creek, along with a lot of the other state forest lands that were impacted by the fire, are closed to recreation, so you can't get out on those type of lakes. What are you hearing maybe a little closer to home, uh, a Terriol or even the Front Range? 
Yeah, so terriol has been fishing pretty well for weeks. You're not getting your big, big-sized fish at terriol, but many times the numbers are fantastic. So I'm a, a big fan of that there for taking a kid or just looking to get some action. Evergreen Lake is capped and, and has a, a decent uh, ice thickness up there. They've even opened the skating rink, so there's there's plenty of ice to, to feel confident on. However, as we've mentioned, certainly utilizing caution at all times is important. But that's going to be a small stalker lake that's going to be great to take kids. And then Georgetown has been fishing well. Um, one kind of point of emphasis that I always like to talk about when I'm talking to customers is that Georgetown many times can fill your ice blades pretty bad with the sand and gravel that's being blown off by 70. So maybe have an extra set of blades uh, if you're going to head up there. But then as we're getting to the metro area, people are starting to venture out. Like I said, it is a you, you have to use extreme caution if you're going anywhere on the, the, the front range here. But the north boat ramp of Chatfield, hearing that two to three inch kind of range, Bear Creek is maybe a little bit more than that. But Spud Bar is absolutely 100% critical if you're hitting any of these metro lakes um, and maybe even giving it just a little bit more time to, to lock up and solidify, although some people are starting to venture out. You know, one of the things you mentioned about the auger blades at Georgetown, one of the things I found is if you bring your buddy's auger, it helps. Yes, that is a fantastic <laughs> option. And uh, maybe leave the hand auger at home or go somewhere else if you have a hand auger um, Georgetown. It is no joke. That place can shred ice auger blades. Now, I will say that Ronnie Castiglione and I were up at Dowdy this uh, last, during the week, Thursday we were up there. And you can go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and I show you the baits we used. But we caught dozens of fish. And I was kind of surprised. Um, I doubt he's usually known as that stalker lake. And we caught browns of all sizes. But, you know, I think because they were couldn't get up there for a while for the fires and things, the rainbows were really plump. I mean, a, a 10, 12-inch rainbow was a really nice fish up there this last weekend. Yeah. It was not the typical stalker. And they were very willing. Now, is that lake, as those lakes get beat up, they're going to get tougher. You'll have to change your approach. But right now, if you just want to catch some fish, you certainly could get up to one of those lakes and uh, and take advantage of that. You know, um, after we take a break, I want to come back, and I want to talk to you about people getting started and how inexpensively or expensively they can get into ice fishing. And I want to talk a little bit, before we even do that, before we take a break, I've been talking to everybody, and I get so many questions about fishing line for ice fishing. Now, I have my own opinions, and I'll add them into yours. I get a variety how do you like to approach fishing line for ice fishing so as i'm recommending fishing line my personal preference many times is to utilize a braided line but with that being said braided line can ice up and will ice up more than a fluorocarbon or a monofilament so i utilize a product and from the fly fishing realm called loon ice off paste it's actually called stanley's ice off paste but from loon fly fishing and you can utilize that paste on your eyelets you can use it on your line and it a lot of times will eliminate the ice enough to make sure that it is still comfortable to utilize that braid outside of a shack but braided line does need to have a leader tied on the end of it for most circumstances but i like it because it remains perfectly straight and there's no stretch so you can really see and feel light bites but if someone does not want to tie a leader on a nice supple ice fishing fluorocarbon i will utilize but it is important to make sure to utilize supple line whether it be monofilament or fluorocarbon and a lot of times that means ice fishing line but if you have too stiff of line that cold temperature really can increase your memory substantially and and kind of create an experience that may not be overly uh favorable i want to expound on that when we come back then want to talk about a little 
other equipment that people might want to look at when they're going ice fishing. Austin, we're going to put you on hold, take a quick time out, and come right back. Sounds great to me. All right, we're taking a quick time out on Terry Wicks from Outdoors. We're going to talk more ice fishing with Austin Parr, and then we're going to talk preparing and cooking your fish and game with Chad Lachance on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.